Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, it's a good day. It's a good day today. Uh, I uh, I booked a vaccine appointment today, Sean. Hey, congratulations, Scott. Uh, Thanks, how does man. that feel, buddy? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, the second appointment is not till September, which doesn't feel as good, but uh, you know what? Whatever, let's uh, get to jabbing and uh, start to be able to do stuff again. Yeah, so uh, that's exciting news. Uh, so you yeah. are on the list for a vaccine. You're going to go in. Good stuff. The yeah. End is yeah. It, and it was like uh, very painless, you know, log in and just uh, there was lots of appointments to choose from. So that's good. Uh, if you're into the groups that are available now log in and do it uh and when your time comes uh log in and do it then yeah and certainly eligibility across canada is different depending on where you are so make sure you're paying attention to your provincial health folks because in some parts of the country it's already everybody 18 plus can go get one yeah so yeah uh, which is uh pretty cool yeah very exciting stuff and i know a lot of our friends in the u.s have already been vaccinated and uh, some of our friends over in Europe as well. So, you know, everyone just keep paying attention, go get it done. And we can all move on from the COVID pandemic as more people get vaccinated and uh, we start to get to uh, more of that immunity level. So good job by you, Scott. Immunity in the community. Hey, has anyone ever said that? Did I just make that up? Uh, yeah, you did. Well done. Wow. Uh, let's get it trending, everyone. <laughs> All right. So we, of course, are here to talk about the just completed 2021 Women's World Curling Championship, the final event in the curling bubble out in Calgary. It was a doozy of a week to wrap up the curling bubble with Sylvana Tiranzoni and Team Switzerland winning for the second consecutive world championship, they go back to back, belly to belly. And Scott, it is Alina Petz's third world championship. Second one is this formation of the team. She won as a skip. And the sixth world championship for Switzerland on the women's side in the past nine world championships. This is a dynasty, Scott. It's Switzerland's world and we're just living in it. You're right about that. Yeah. And and so impressive to have done it with so many different skips, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we haven't seen that anywhere except in Canada before. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Canada sending different different people uh, more often than not. So, yeah, to have uh, the depth there on the women's side in Switzerland and the, the talent, really something, really something. Yeah. So the skips, you have Miriam Ott back in 2012. And then Binia Felcher, she's won two of them. Alina Pats, as I mentioned, won one as a skip, and now Silvana Tiranzoni in 2019 and 2021. The other three teams that have won world championships in that span span are Eve Muirhead, Rachel Holman, and Jennifer Jones. 
So pretty elite company for all of those women. I got to say out of all of them, I think Miriam Ott was my favorite to watch just because she would be fishtailing all over the place and just <laughs> and it would end up in the right spot. It was a very entertaining player to watch, but certainly this particular team of Switzerland, uh, whew, tough to beat. Yeah, yeah, they're really good. Really, really good. Uh, I was digging through the numbers, Sean, uh, before we got on here just to see, do they tell the story that's different from the outcome that we saw? And the answer is no, they don't. They (laughs) tell the story of what we saw. Switzerland was plus 62 on the week. Wow. Uh, Plus, plus, minus points. Like, just insane. Yeah, really Uh, good. I mean, you, almost, you, go, you go into this field, they only lost once. Yeah, yeah. And they almost doubled the the uh, next closest team, which was Sweden. So, yeah, like, just really good. They had a stone last stone efficiency of 59%, which is uh, really, really incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, very well done. Uh, they scored two points with the hammer more than they were forced. Wow, which you, you don't have that happen if you're uh, just another team out there. Absolutely, so a really, really good job. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty thorough beatdown of everybody else over the course of of the week. So, really good job by them. I think Scott, when we look at the way the that final played out, I, I turned it on and I was thinking, all right, it's the women's world gold medal game, and I, somehow a, a Briar final broke out. With it was very defensive, very open. Yeah. Not a lot of points were being scored. Four two is the final. Switzerland gets the hammer back in the eighth end, but we have three consecutive blanks between five and seven. Another blank in nine. And it, what was interesting to me, at least, is that the Russian strategy, that Kovaleva strategy all week, seemed to be mix it up. Lots of rocks in play. Lots of points being scored. Switzerland just didn't let them do that. And this is a case where Tyrans only can play with rocks in play. They can play aggressively. But this is a case of not letting the other team be comfortable, not playing into what their strength is. And that, to me, shows just how good this team is, that they can respond to what you're good at and take it away from you. And they can, yeah, they can do anything, right? Like, like you say, they can respond to any other team's strength because everything that they do seems to be a strength out there on, on the ice. So yeah, they're really tough to play against. They're really tough to game plan against because no matter what you try, they're going to be able to have an answer to it. Right. Uh, we said going into this event that it, it was going to be Sylvana Tiranzoni, the key to the team, right? As we saw in those uh, Grand Slams running up that, you know, she was a little shaky at times. And that was what was costing the team. Sean, she was the number one skip and it wasn't even particularly close. Or number one, number third, third. Yeah. I should say. Uh, not not even close. Uh, over almost three points, three percentage points difference between her uh, and the third for Japan. So uh, she came to play this week and we saw that key that we had identified. You know, I, I, I would say correlation is not causation, but... Uh, it's certainly going to help when when she's the one making the shots. Yeah, no, no question about it. And in, in, in that final, Sylvana Turnzoni outshoots her counterpart by seven percentage points, uh, and then Alina Pets only by a point over Alina Kovaleva. But it 
uh, you know that so that's really where you can say a difference is but again the the that type of a game tough to go purely on percentage points there scott what do you make of how they did this of of going through the field with only the one loss you mentioned the plus minus over the course of the week does this make them the favorite for beijing 2022 so the the one loss they had was to Anna Hasselberg yeah. early in the week. I I still might put Team Hasselberg there. They they only played them right in the in the round robin, didn't see them in the playoff round. So it, but I, I don't think you can say no, right? <laughs> back to back to. world championships. Yeah. Uh not only was Sylvana Terranzoni at the top, I just double checked again. All four of their players were at the top of the the percentages for each position. Like, I mean, if if you want to say like, okay, who's going into this quadrennial, this the end of this Olympic game cycle, the hottest, right now it would be this team, no? Well, right now, yeah. But certainly well, we I, do I, have okay, to see what happens in the fall. Sure, there's the fall to come. I mean, whatever, but... Uh, something else crazy is that this team wasn't even going to the world championship last year. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I would put them in Sweden as the, the top two right now, one, a one B, whichever yep. order you like, but uh, they're, they're definitely in the mix. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think going into the week, that's where I would have thought. And, and based off of, if nothing else, that 2019 final between Hasselberg and Tiranzoni that I yep. would have signed up for that again for this event of course we don't we don't get that but yeah I, I do think that those two teams have established themselves a little bit as the top teams right now in the world as we go into the olympic games next year and it, it does matter of course who canada ends up sending whether it's going to be rachel holman getting a second chance at the olympics does this anderson team do they come back win the trials It'll be curious to see how that works out, given all the talk that's come up over the past week, and we can get into that about what it means to be Team Canada. But I think regardless of who Canada sends, all eyes will be on the defending Olympic champion in Hasselberg and the defending world champion, two-time defending world champion in Sylvana Terranzoni, and that's, I think, the way it probably should be. Yeah, yeah, rightfully so. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, Scott, let's talk about our silver medalists from Russia. And even though they weren't allowed to be called Russia, I, I love this, Scott. The end of the bubble, Vic's been in isolation for a week. He stopped caring. It was amazing. It was everything I ever wanted from Vic. He said Russia about 400 times on the broadcast yesterday, and it was <laughs> terrific. Yeah. Uh, he's not uh, backing down to anything from Wada. No, he definitely is not. And there's a, a practical concern too. Let's say RCF wins yesterday. Yeah. My understanding is that at the end of a world championship, whichever team wins, they play their national anthem. So what would they have done yesterday? Just played like Rasputin by Boney M? Like what song <laughs> do you play for RCF? I I would say Rasputin is the best. And <laughs> as a, a brief aside, when I was in university, there was a guy on our floor 
who would always play his music really loud. And the yeah. guy who lived next to him got really pissed off. So he put on Rasputin <laughs> on repeat at max volume and left. <laughs> um, it was, it was terrific. That terrific. is amazing. That's brilliant. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. And I mean, would the, it wouldn't count as a world championship for Russia. It would not. So, you know, thankfully we don't have to do all the hand wringing that comes along with that. Yeah. Given the result yesterday, but I, we talked in our preview, Sean, that this team, I was pretty bullish on them. I thought they would make the playoffs Yeah. and not only did they do that, they, they did a lot more. Yeah. Uh, had a great week. Yeah. Very uh, impressive. It seemed to me like it was, Maybe a little, a little on smoke and mirrors, but uh, like I'm looking at the stats, they're plus 20 on their opponents that they seem to score big ends at the right time, but not a lot of them, uh, only scored a deuce 16 times compared to 21 against, but they're, they're a good team. They're a strong team. We saw yesterday in the final, they, they had like a, a few half shots, like little mistakes or hits and rolls out right? When yep. they had the chance to really put some pressure on. And that was the difference. I thought I, I didn't think Switzerland played a great game. I thought it was more a case of RCF not doing enough to be able to challenge uh, Switzerland. Yeah. A, a couple of mistakes here and there rocks coming into the house, which allowed Switzerland to keep it open. And what I, what I find interesting though, is that again, all week from what we saw and what we were able to see is that they were just going for it. Just, Rocks in play. Take Jennifer Jones, but like to another level of rocks in play is what it really seemed like they were trying to do. Certainly saw that Saturday night in that semifinal where they're up and they're just throwing everything in. They're just <laughs> putting everything in the top four foot. Deal with it. Uh, deal with it, Anna Hasselberg. You're going to have, like, we're fine over here. Like, don't worry about us. And it, it was very impressive to me. To see that work, it was it's gutsy. You're going to give up points that way, but you're also going to score a lot of points. And that's why I really like watching Jennifer Jones or Suzanne Burt, like teams that aren't scared of rocks in play. That makes it entertaining. That made the games that I saw of this Russian team very entertaining. And I'm happy that they found success with it because from a, a fan perspective, just watching the games, if you want more action, you want more rocks in play, teams are going to have to be successful employing that strategy as opposed to the more conservative strategy that teams do seem to get scared of rocks and you don't want to give up that big end. This team wasn't and that they had success, hopefully, is a, a bit of a harbinger of things to come. Yeah, so it's a, an advertisement. advertisement. That's yeah. a weird way to say it, but uh, for offensive curling right yeah absolutely yeah 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 so the other thing i noticed scott this is a, a very technical point but i i was really i focused on it uh, yesterday and saturday night in watching the semifinal as well and yesterday they went to that side angle a lot when the players were throwing which mm -hmm. like no get out uh, I, I didn't like it especially for this russian team because Certainly Kovaleva, and it seemed like the rest of the team, but I really noticed it with Kovaleva. She comes out straight with the handle straight, yeah. basically at a 12 o'clock position, and then rotates her wrist for whatever turn she's trying to put on 
the stone, which is different from a lot of players who, if you're throwing an out turn and you're a right-handed player, the stone's at about two o'clock ish and then 10 o'clock for an intern for a right-handed player. Very different just on that technical standpoint. And, and I think that gets a little bit more rotation, even potentially than Holman. But it also, Scott, my fear for them is that that seems that it's harder to repeat that motion and not kind of get caught, not kind of over rotate the mm-hmm. stone more frequently. It just seems to me like a technique that is going to lead to more mistakes, but you've had more technical coaching than I have as a player. Is that something that you noticed or do you think that as long as you do the same thing and you just get into that pattern, you're fine? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's hard to, you can't really coach that that kind of release, right? Uh, we see the same thing in Canada with Shannon Burchard and her sort of twist and go yeah. uh, release that you don't really want that to be the way that somebody throws if you're starting a, a curler from scratch, right? You, you want something more like a, a Brad Gushu or, or a, a Russ Howard, you know, sort of pure turn. But at, to a certain point, like if somebody's having success with it and are repeating it, then that's when you say, okay, let's not mess with it right. and, and try to get you to, to change up. So I, I saw that a lot of the, the team, the RCF team, were throwing it that way. Uh, for sure, the second and the skip, what what was going on with the rest? I don't know. I was sort of uh, watching that and, and baseball. I was watching everything at the same time, but I definitely <laughs> noticed for those two players. And, you know, on a team, you want everybody to throw the same, ideally. Of course. But we've seen this team having success we've seen you know shannon burchard having success everywhere she goes uh she's never lost the scotties that she's played in so at a certain point right the it's where the coaching gives way to what makes the athlete feel feel the best uh you, you can you can talk that way like about a stance in baseball right a batting stance or a a way a guy skates in hockey or a pitcher throws like it it's that there's the technical way that you want to do it, but then there's the the athlete comfort and you have to meet somewhere in the middle. Right. And yeah. and certainly it seems like they have, and no question about it. So second silver medal for Alina Kovaleva at a world championship to go along with her bronze medal in 2016. So three-time medalist in five appearances for Alina Kovaleva. So very impressive outing for them. Let's move on to the Americans, our bronze medalist, first medal at a world championship for a women's team from the United States since the great Deb McCormick, Scott. Uh, So great week for Tabitha Peterson and her team. If there was any doubt, to me at least, that the lineup change was the correct idea, Tabitha Peterson put that way out of the question. She is the skip of this team. No question about it. Yeah, she had a, a really good week uh, skipping. We, well, I, maybe more than than we, was a little bit doubtful that they would be able to uh, keep that going all week. You know, I, I thought, oh, we might see a, a position change here. But you're right. It was basically because of her that they ended up, even in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right, uh, making clutch, clutch shots throughout the week. 
getting better, it seemed, at the back end of the week as, as it went on. Um, and I, I'm looking at like Nina Roth's percentages, the, they were lower uh, yeah. for the most part in, in what you would think is less pressure, uh, less difficult shots uh, on average. So, yeah, I think uh, they've found their team. I, I wouldn't say that they would be extremely happy with how the week went overall. I think the result, sure, we're, we're very happy with the result of a bronze medal, but I think the process to get there wasn't as smooth as it could have been. Uh, they lost some games that they probably should have won, uh, maybe won some games they should have lost, but uh, I think this is the right team, and I think they can keep building on this. Uh, I, like, I don't think any team that ended up 7-6 and six is going to be you know, writing their association, like thrilled with their performance. Well, we'll get to a team that might be, um, but let, let me just correct you on one thing, at least in terms of the percentages for the week, what I'm seeing, Scott, we have Tabitha Peterson at 77%, Nina Roth at 80, but I would say degree of difficulty higher for Tabitha Peterson. And she made some bailout shots over the course of the week. Yeah. So I have Tabitha Peterson, 77.9. So this is just through the around Robin, I'll say. Okay. So yeah, my, the numbers I have include playoffs. And Nina Ross, 78.6. So like less than a percentage point between them. Yeah. But you would kind of like, I think you would kind of like both players to be higher, honestly. Uh, I think so. I think so. But, you know, like we've talked a lot about it's, it's when you make the shots versus how many shots you make. Right. Yep. And uh, Tabitha Peterson definitely, you know, pulled, pulled a lot out for her team this week in securing that bronze medal. Yeah, uh, no no question about it. Uh, all right, let's move on to the team that they defeated for the bronze medal and the Hasselberg team, Sweden. I picked them at the start of the week to win the gold medal. As I said at the preview, I'm kind of happy maybe that they didn't because when they finally win one, you kind of want it to be a full one crowd there, people going nuts for them. And uh, so they lose in the semifinal to RCF. They then, of course lose the bronze medal game in a game, Scott. I, I I don't want to discount the medal for the Americans, but it kind of felt like Anna Hasselberg, was, she was done. She was ready to go home after the semifinal game. Yeah, there's something about American teams scoring five points against <laughs> Swedish teams, eh, in, uh, in big games. Just happens. Yeah, it just seems to happen uh, uh, out there. Big five, big five. So I, I didn't see this game, Sean. Do you... Did, did you watch it? Did you know how that en- unfolded? I didn't watch it particularly closely, no. Okay. So uh, that's our... Uh, that's our analysis of the analysis. bronze medal game. But yeah, I was sort of checked out on it. Just, I don't know what it is about bronze medal games. Even in the Olympics, I don't really much care that much about bronze medal games. Yeah. But it, it's one of these things that... Anna Hasselberg doesn't need a bronze medal, right? She finishes third, she finishes fourth. I mean, whatever is the way I would look at it. She's a gold or bust team at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It looks like uh, on her last, she was trying to tap a rock frozen, missed it, gave Peterson a short run to to make it for five. So yeah, uh, she is a, a gold medal or bust team. You're right. She's already won that Olympic gold. There's no pressure for her. Uh, their team is still great. Uh, they were all near the top of the standings in their uh, their respective positions. They're great technical throwers. Just uh, ran out of gas in, in that game. 
and they they looked a bit confused it seemed to me at some points uh strategy wise this week which we don't like heart ever see uh right. for anna hasselberg uh, maybe some head scratcher decisions there in that uh semi-final game against rcf so yeah uh i'm not worried about this team no. at all they'll be disappointed with their week yeah but they're they there's no reason for them to worry long term no absolutely not but i, I do want to go back to something you just said about the strategy decisions on Saturday night in that semifinal game against RCF, Russ really didn't like it. I, I can't remember what end it was, but RCF was sitting five, had the hammer, and Anna on her last one tried to hit her way out of it. And she looked at the hit mm-hmm. the whole way, and they were in the booth, and they said, oh, maybe you could freeze here, and then, then they only get two potentially. And the way I think about it is... Anna Hasselberg never looked at a draw. She was zoned in on a hit and she almost made a triple. She missed by a millimeter, a triple takeout. And she only got a double takeout. Russia scores four. It wasn't quite the end of the game, but kind of was the end of the game. But mm-hmm. the, the criticism was like, you have to play a draw there. And, and again, I yield to the fact that she never looked at a draw leads me to believe that she wasn't comfortable with throwing a draw, doesn't want to throw a draw. And while the draw might be a better call there, it definitely would have given more margin for error. If the thrower doesn't believe it, especially when the thrower is the skip, you can't call it. So I I think that sometimes we get too focused on what is the quote unquote right call, as opposed to what is the call that you are more likely to make given the thrower's level of comfort. And that struck me as one of those situations. And I think over the past however many years, Anna Hasselberg has earned the benefit of the doubt in a situation like that to throw what she feels more comfortable throwing. Yeah, yeah, she she's definitely earned that right. I, I'm looking at the shot by shot right now on on WCF's website, and I'm looking at yeah, facing five, facing five Russian stones. Yep. Just I I don't even I don't see a very good place to draw even. No, there, there's one at the top of the forefoot, kind of on the center line. And I think that's what they were looking at. Could you draw in there? I don't know I if don't you could have. I think it overcurls and you have a run for six. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like the, that easily could set up a, a bigger end. So uh, yeah, deferring to let's just make as many go away as possible. Take our medicine and go. Uh, I, I definitely feel okay with that especially you know knowing that later on down the line they get a three in the sixth end they get two in the eighth it's looking like they're pretty good right then they force in nine yeah uh so they're only down two it i don't know it's it's something that we've seen you know people want to be two down with the hammer in the 10th end and uh yeah i i think that call is fine uh from my perspective but you know your mileage may vary Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And then Russia just loads up in the 10th end, as I said, with rocks yeah, in the so forefoot and doesn't give Anna Hasselberg much of a shot on her last. I thought maybe, maybe there was something there, but eh. yeah, she needed to make the double and like keep the shooter. Yeah, I well, I was wondering if maybe if there was enough space to kind of paper off one if uh, from the overhead on the left side, if there was enough of a gap where you could paper off the outside one and redirect it into the forefoot. It's a yeah. one in a million if it's there at all. But that, that to me, that's all I, my eye saw and what she ended up playing 
was like one in two million <laughs> if it was there yeah, at all. That's, that's so hard when, you know, the other team is just like, all right, you want rocks in play? We'll give you rocks in play. Like, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. takes away the corner guards. It makes you deal in the center. And if you wait too long, which Anna Hasselberg and, and Sweden did in that case, there's just nothing there for you. Anna Hasselberg made a pistol on her first one too. It just had, hey, there was no way to get that second point. Yeah, that was that draw that she threw. Uh, it was a hit or and was roll. It a hit, hit, and, hit roll. and roll. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. impressive stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, disappointing week for them, but uh, they're still great. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's move on to the teams that we lost in the qualifying round. Scott, I'm going to start with a country that you owe an apology to. Our friends from Denmark, you owe the entire country of Denmark uh, a huge apology because in our preview, you said that, quote, their time on the curling podium is over and gave them no chance of making the Olympics. Scott, what do you have to say to the Danes? Yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, I'm I'm really surprised that, that I'm wrong, but... I think if we look a little closer at this uh, eight and five record, Sean, we're going to see that it was not built on, you know, uh, great game playing by the Danes, but more on mistakes by their opponents. Their plus minus for the week was zero. That leads you to believe that they would have an even record, right? Yeah. Based on that alone, their uh force efficiency was only 48%. Uh they gave up two ends of more than 4 points, 3 of 4 points, 5 ends of 3 points. This, these are numbers that we're not seeing from the people at the top of the table. Uh their they yeah, their last stone draw was not uh not great. It was not. Uh what what I'm seeing is that they st- stole a lot of ends right yep. uh and when you see somebody stealing a lot of ends that sometimes will say that oh it's because uh they're so good at stealing but usually it's because you get misses from the other team yes but the caveat here is what you said though that they gave up a lot of big ends which means that they like rush are playing with stones in play and they're playing very aggressively they're taking chances and obviously sometimes it doesn't work out and you give up those big ends but for them they were able enough this week to get those steals to get things at the right time to control the hammer when they needed to as well late in games we saw a really good job of hammer efficiency and just having it late in the game when they needed it so i was impressed on their game management in that regard and again you want to play aggressively. You want to have a lot of rocks in play. I'm never going to complain about that. Yes, you're going to give up fours and fives occasionally, especially in a field this good. But at the end of the day, they come out of it pretty much unscathed. And, and in this field, there's teams that you can get away with it, having lots of rocks in play and even giving up a three or a four. And in a 10 end game, which I, I still prefer the 10 end game, because it, it it almost encourages more stones in play because you have that time to come back, especially early in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, good job I hear you there. 
Well, I mean, yeah, good job, Denmark. Uh, welcome to the Olympics where you're going to get beaten by other teams. Like, congratulations. <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to have to snip that for next year when uh, we're talking about our bronze medalist, Madeline Dupont. See, Jean, even you are giving them a ceiling of bronze medal. Like, yeah, they, they, it, I, I don't know. I, Matilda Halsa is good. Uh-huh. Uh, is, is her name Matilda? No, I'm, <laughs> I think it's Matilda, um, isn't it? I don't, I don't know if there's an A. Okay. Uh, is a good player, uh, the future of uh, Danish curling, yeah. right? But it, 73% on the week, third from the bottom of the standings. Uh, Madeleine Dupont, 71.5. Like, they're not the they're not the impressive performance of somebody that we've already talked about before like one of those three three teams right like yeah three or four teams it, it's it's just not it not it's not real to me that they're that this is um sustainable for this team all right i mean i guess that's fair but they were in the olympics in 2018 and uh now they're going back so good job for denmark uh, again eight and five they lose semifinal game or excuse me the qualification game they don't call it a quarterfinal game against the americans scott the other team we lost in that qualification round were the canadians skipped by carrie anderson a rather interesting week for them going one and five out of the gate coming back six and one the rest of the way the one loss was to japan on thursday afternoon as we were following it live on the broom mm-hmm. stack, but Carrie Anderson and the team, they do get in. Fortunately for all of us, I think they get in, not because of a draw shot challenge. They get in because they went one and one against the Americans and the Koreans where the three teams tied at seven and six. Korea goes, Oh, and two in those games. So it does go to the head to head matchup there because you didn't have all of them go one and one against each other. It breaks the tie that way. Fortunately, it didn't go to draw shot challenge because if it had, the Koreans were better than the Canadians on draw shot challenge. So the Koreans would have been in. I think the Americans would have been out if it I had gone so. to a draw shot challenge. So Scott, I, I think <laughs> Carrie Anderson said it after the game on Saturday that she wasn't going to say that she was tired. She said she felt great, but that team looked exhausted and, I think it's very impressive that they were able to come back from one and five. I said on Twitter and I will do this. I'm going to do a deep dive into the seventh, eighth and ninth ends of that win, their their second win, which just from watching it was, or watching the stones on the Mm -hmm. screen, very impressive, great performance for them. The win against Scotland, similarly sort of coming out of nowhere with a big steal in the eighth end. So there are moments there for this team where it's, unfortunate that what we saw from the television perspective were losses primarily Mm -hmm. and we didn't get to see those moments of rebounding and and coming back and and this remarkable comeback for them but i think for the first time out on the world stage for this team they got the job done they did what they needed to do at the end of three months in a hotel room i i I'm certainly not going to complain about the performance. I think it was better than I could have possibly done in those same circumstances. So all credit to the Canadians 
Good job by them. I think it's unfortunate that two Scotty wins got them one week in a bubble after having been there for three months as their world championship experience. So hopefully they get a chance to go back. But I I kind of hope that this team goes another cycle of four years, if I'm being honest, based off of what I saw this week. Yeah, and I think if they can maintain that they're all friends still and, and getting along together, I think they will. Uh, I, I don't say that for any reason of of hearing that they're not, but uh, knowing how Kerry Anderson's previous team dynamic sort of uh, you know led that other threesome to, to break away, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm looking at Draw Shot Challenge, Sean. Uh, Canada would have missed on Draw Shot Challenge oh, okay. by 1.1 centimeters they're worse than the United States. Um, so yeah, l- thank goodness we're not having that national nightmare uh, to, to contend with. I think what you said is right. A long bubble for this team. They were you know, running on, on fumes by the end, no doubt. Their talent took them far enough. But at the end of the day, like, it was Val Sweeting and Kerry Anderson not making shots is the reason they lost. They, yeah. they, they don't have anybody to blame really, but themselves, they weren't getting out shot uh, by, you know, just tons of skips on fire every time they played them. Uh, it was just not, they weren't good enough and that's okay. Right. Yep. The, the rest of the world has good teams too. And uh, for as good as, the Anderson team was throughout the bubble. I picked them to win because like we saw them win the the slam two weeks ago. Yeah. You know, you'd think, okay, well they've still got, they've still got it. And Kerry Anderson has won three events in the slam. It's an incredibly successful year for them as a team. I, not the result they would have wanted, obviously, but uh, you know, they, they accomplished what they need to do getting Canada into the Olympics and now they'll go home, regroup and get ready for that uh, trials in, in December. Yeah. Well, they won't quite go home yet. No, well, not all of them will go home yet, but uh, not all of them will go yeah, home. Three yet. of them will go home. And, and you're right. I, I think you're, you're spot on with everything that you said. So uh, not, not much more to add on this over the course of the summer, there will be time to digest it and talk about there's so much talk about timing between the events but you can't go based off of this year this is a total like one-off we've never been in a situation like this so this isn't the year to base the timing of you know when the national championship is to when the world championship is you have to base it off of the normal schedule and whether that i think you can have a discussion surrounding whether or not that timing works best for the teams but you can't base it off of this year that's so the one thing I would say off of the discussions over the weekend that I heard. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't look at uh, any of those sorts of changes. Just write it out and, and see how it goes. Like that, that, I can dig into the stats for this team, but the bottom line is they weren't, they weren't good enough this week. And uh, that has no bearing on how they might do in the future. Absolutely. So, Scott, let's uh, talk about some of the teams that did not qualify for the Olympics. Uh, Three teams that I thought would did not. The Koreans that we mentioned, they go seven and six and lose out on a spot, having lost to the Canadians and the Americans. 
the Japanese side, they also missed the playoffs. They go five and eight. And then probably the biggest shocker of all is Eve Muirhead and Scotland going six and seven to miss the playoffs. Fortunately for these three teams, there are three spots left in the Olympics at the Olympic qualifier event that will be held in December. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, the Germans and the Italians are looking around thinking, I kind of wish it was somebody else who had made the playoffs and who had to go to this qualifying event. But what'll be interesting for those three teams, for Scotland, Korea, and Japan, or for those member associations, is who ends up going to that Olympic qualifier event. Certainly in the Korean case, and Jung Kim, they are the national champions right now. We'll have another Korean national championship. Uh, Minji Kim, I would argue, potentially is the favorite there. Over on the Japanese side, you have Satsuki Fujisawa, who could win the Japanese nationals and be Team Japan there. And for Scotland, I would say it's it's very likely to be Eve Muirhead, but you do have Sophie Jackson, who is there, who who has won a national championship before. So for these three countries now having to go to this qualifying event, this last chance qualifier, there is now the added step of who will represent the countries at that event. So an intriguing summer for these three associations. I would say it's an intriguing summer for two of these associations. Scotland's not not sending Eve Muirhead to this. It would be highly unlikely. I, I mean, yeah. we saw what happened when Hannah Fleming came and played uh, a couple of years ago, right? Like th- they're not taking any chances with the Olympics on the line. Uh, I saw some discussion on, on Twitter, like uh, Scotland has put all of their eggs into the Eve Muirhead basket for women's curling. Like you say, there are a couple of other teams, but basically the players that she's playing with now have been taken from other teams as her old teammates have decided to step back and they're sort of, okay, go and play with Eve because she's the best. That's how the program is going to be. Yep. Um, that she played well this week. I would say uh, the, the end of the week was where they, they were kind of let down. Uh, Jennifer Dodds didn't have a good week at second. And I, I feel like when she was playing third for Eve, that it was sort of a clear, a weaker spot um, as opposed to when, uh, when, you know, she had her, her old team. So I, I, I'm, I might be intrigued to see if that, position gets any you know addressing from the national uh, association but there's no way they're not sending Eve Muirhead and I would say I was shocked that she didn't make the playoffs like blown yeah. away even on Thursday Sean I gave her a hundred percent chance of making the playoffs <laughs> like I said she's not going to lose to Denmark I can't believe she lost to Denmark yeah she lost to Denmark it's I I, I was just like shaking my head going what is happening the world is upside down. Uh, it's crazy. Um, so I was wrong. But I mean, I'm going to say 100% that she's going to get through a last chance qualifier event with uh, three spots available. You'd think so. Right? Yeah. If I'm wrong about that, then like probably I should quit podcasting. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know. We we saw in the lead up to the 2018 games, there was an Olympic qualifier for the Scottish Curling Federation that I or, or that was through, I don't know if it was through Great Britain in some way, but 
Yeah, it, but they had already qualified for yes, the Olympics. Yes, the, the spot had already been determined. I yeah. do wonder, though, I mean, I would expect there to be something on the men's side that, you know, Bruce Mount won't be just conceded that spot. They'll have to compete for it. And I would, I, I don't know, like, yeah, Scottish curling can be strange at times. And certainly the Scottish curling fans ha- are, are very invested in it. They're very passionate about it. And it, it does lead to the question, well, do you just send somebody to this last chance qualifier? Then do you have a tr- an Olympic trial? Or you just say, all right, like this is all leave right now. And you say to somebody like Sophie Jackson, well, that's tough. Congratulations on winning the nationals in 2019, but like go sit down for till the next cycle. Like it, it, I think it's difficult and there'll be some decisions that'll upset some folks over in Scotland over the course of the summer. I mean, maybe, maybe. Maybe they'll be upset. I, Some people for sure will be upset. I would say the majority would not be. The majority of people or the majority of people in that Scottish Facebook group? But, uh, the majority of people in Scotland <laughs> will not be worried about it. Yeah, I think that's a very fair thing to say, yes. The majority of the, the Scottish population won't be too concerned. As, uh, as we look forward, there was an election in Scotland. Uh, Scott, were you aware of that? Yes. That's uh, happening soon now. I believe it's happened. Happened. It's over. Okay. Yeah. Was it today? Yesterday? This I weekend? believe it was yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So more more I, pressing I mean, things I mean, in the news you know, in Scotland. I, I got things to do, but yeah, in Scotland, more pressing things for sure. We'll see what the uh, what the take is after that election. We'll see if there might be changes are coming. Yeah. So, uh, Scott, let's uh, just quickly go through the rest of the field here. A great week for Germany with only the three players. They go six and seven. Very impressive performance. They were in the hunt all week. Danielle Jensch and the squad, uh, she was interviewed. She was on that curling show. And she was saying, yeah, we're all pretty tired, although I'm not that tired. I was just <laughs> just skipping. Yeah. Uh, was the, the, the other two players, of course, having to throw so many more stones and I think that's where it, it really matters in being tired. The sweeping in and of itself, you're sweeping every stone. And in the directional sweeping era, you're sweeping a lot more than you would otherwise because you're bouncing back and forth between mm-hmm. the sides of the rocks, depending on the, the stone. But those additional throws really can fatigue your hip and your knee. Uh, you're putting so much pressure on them over the course of the week. And so you're throwing... more shots. They played the 12 end game and those two players set what I has to be a record for most shots thrown in a world championship game, at least since they went down from just 12 end games being the standard. So a very, very strong performance for the German squad. Like I said earlier, they're probably bummed that Denmark made it in and now they have Scotland, Korea, Japan in that qualifier. But Mm. I think Danielle Jensch would be the fourth ranked team in that event. And, and sort of what my expectation going into that would be, I would put Scotland, Korea, and Japan as the favorites, depending on, on the teams that come out of Korea and Japan, if we can add that proviso. But Danielle Jensch, she's not going to be a rollover there. And she has a, a chance now to make it into the Olympic Games, certainly. She's got a chance. You're right. Yeah. And I, I would put it at a lower chance now. Uh, as you said. Yeah. Uh, and, and if she doesn't, if it is Scotland, Korea, Japan, it would be the same 10 as we had in Korea in 2018. 
now that mm-hmm. Denmark has secured their spot, interestingly enough. And interestingly enough, Russia won't be called Russia again. It literally will be the same 10 member associations. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, so elsewhere, uh, the Chinese team, great performance by Yuhan and the team from Harbin. They go six and seven. They're fun, Scott. They're, if they're the Chinese representative for the next decade, based on what I saw this week, I'm okay with it. They're fun. They're going to get better. They're going to be good. Yeah, we we got to see their game against Canada uh, as the first game back after the broadcast resumed. And they, yeah, they're having fun playing. Uh, Some strategic mistakes, which you expect from a a 21-year-old skip, right? Playing at the highest level in the world. But all the talent is there. And yeah, you're right. They're going to be a pretty fun team to watch. Yeah, and what I noticed too in in those strategy debates and, and discussions that the four players were very talkative, and they at one point they called a timeout in the game against China, against Canada. Excuse me. Coach comes out with the translator, and they sort of talked around that. And so communication. Mm. Now I don't speak uh, Mandarin by any means, but it did seem like there was a lot of talking over each other at times. And certainly during that timeout. So strategy and then communication seems, from what I saw, areas for improvement for that team. But technically, very, very good. Yeah, and they'll get uh, the chance to, you know, perform at home during the Olympics. Yep. Hopefully. Hopefully yeah. this will happen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it should be should be fun. And then just rounding out the field, uh, the Czech Republic at 3-10. and 10, The Italians 2-11. and 11, And Estonia gets a win. Scott, I said at the start of the week... If Italy and Estonia between them get two wins, that would be great. They were guaranteed one because they played each other. Got they got three wins between them, uh, so I, I think that's great. Mary Terman, that was fun to to see her play. She has that mixed doubles experience. You could see it at times making those softer shots, and I, I think again if if we can have Estonia in there being competitive, coming back every so often, they're, they've been relegated uh or they have the potential of being relegated not getting back next year depending on what happens at the euros you know but the deeper it is over in europe the the better it's going to be and and if we can have more countries coming through with solid teams they weren't a pushover for anybody so I, i would say a successful week for all three of those teams but most notably for estonia in a first appearance yeah i think uh, estonia will be happy getting that first win i think uh, Anna Kubiskova will be upset uh, with the way their week went uh, for the Czechs. We saw them uh, upset that they had to play three games on the last day, rightfully so, I should say. Um, I mean, by that point in time, it, it didn't really matter. But uh, yeah, sort of a, a bad week for the, for what they were expecting for yeah. the Czechs. Yeah, so... Any anything else, Scott, from the worlds that uh, stands out to you? Um, not really. I think uh, it, it was nice to get. I say not really, and then I say some stuff. Um, <laughs> it was nice to get the TV back. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you know the the quarantining protocols seem to have worked. Um, we'll hope for the best for everybody that uh, had a positive diagnosis. Um, but it was nice to be able to get it back and stop following on uh, on a screen. Yep. Uh, I will say because of the 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 break in broadcast action, 
I wasn't able to follow it as closely as I might have otherwise, you know, having it on in the background while I'm doing other things. For sure. Um, so, uh, you know, sort of a, bum- a bummer to end the bubble on that kind of an, a note, right? Where we don't get to see everything. But uh, overall job well done by everybody in the bubble. Uh, I, we were sort of skeptical that it would work. We, we had a few scares. Uh, but in the end, the bubble sort of maintained it didn't pop so uh overall good job yeah i i agree yeah i was very skeptical in january that this would happen and i'm i'm pleased that it did you could tell that uh it was the middle of may yesterday with the the, the weather outside certainly here where, where we are but also in in calgary you could see the frost starting to come in so it's it's good that they were able to get it done, get it through. Again, best wishes to everybody who did get a positive test. I do not want to speculate on who. I did see some speculation about who it was, but uh, we don't know. And I would argue that we don't have a right to know either of, of who uh, tested positive. And, and I, I think that the transparency from the World Curling Federation on this one was better than what we saw at the men's and uh, sort of everything that took place then. So overall, congratulations to the WCF, to Curling Canada, to Rogers and Sportsnet, and for everybody who who worked together to pull this off over the past three months. Uh, certainly it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, congratulations to the players for putting up with it, for dealing with that, especially those players who were there for a very long time. And uh, just, yeah, it gave us a, a lot of entertainment and I enjoyed it. And congratulations uh, to all those who, who won events and uh, who qualified their countries for the Olympics. We got a lot more clarity here on May the 10th than we did on February the 13th or whenever this whole thing started. Absolutely. So that will do it for our Women's Worlds recap. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This was a lot of fun. We still have one event left in the curling season. That is, of course, the Mixed Doubles World Championship. There is one more Olympic discipline to qualify for, and that is kicking off next Monday. And we'll be back with you later this week to talk about things that we're looking forward to seeing over in Aberdeen as the first COVID event or the first event of the COVID era outside of the curling bubble takes place on the world stage. So a lot of players are actually heading straight from the bubble over to Aberdeen to play in that event. So we'll be along later in the week to talk all about that. But in the interim, do subscribe to the podcast. If you have not yet, do the likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff. Helps other people find the show, keeps us growing. You can also head on over to gameofstonespod.com. All of our past episodes are there. Plus the merch we have T-shirts, uh, baseball tees, a toque, and a hoodie with proceeds going to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation and Food Banks Canada. Food Banks Canada proceeds from the T-shirts. Everything else goes to Sandra Schmirler Foundation. We are matching the proceeds. And Scott, I ordered a second hoodie. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, I really like it. So uh, <laughs> I'm excited for that to come in a couple of weeks. Uh, also... Do follow along. Everything going on on social media, Twitter and Facebook at Game of Stones Pod. I'm going to be doing some Twitter polls, some uh, best of the bubble polls, maybe some superlatives 
uh, to see what some folks thinks. And and none of them are going to be like real superlatives. They're all going to be nonsensical. So do follow along. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, as is at Game of Stones pod. And you can follow Scott. Scott likes TV. And I am at the Sean Graham. Let us know what you want to hear on the show. Game of Stones podcast.com or no Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to hear on the show. Uh, I've been replenishing my summer episode idea list. But if you have anything you want to hear, do reach out. So that'll do it for us, Scott. What do you have teed up for the rest of the day? You know, I got uh, a little bit of dinner on tap, uh, maybe some relaxing, and maybe some thinking about uh, that mixed doubles that's coming up. All right. Sounds like an enjoyable evening. So uh, have a good one. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. We'll be back with you later in the week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...